This is Sports Best, presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like Phil Mickelson outdriving Bryson DeChambeau during the match. He is Kirk TB12 Peterson, and I am Danny Noonan. Have you played golf yet this week, Kirk? I feel like you play three times a week, but maybe I'm overestimating your dedication. I have not. It's been uh, it's probably been two weeks since uh, since I've got out on the links. Yeah, I, was, I took vacation last week, but uh, no, I, I'm jonesing to get out. Uh, I feel like there's maybe a conspiracy in there that you were walking around the clubhouse naked and people were offended and you were given a mandatory timeout like when uh, Michael Jordan went to baseball. It's, You're the Michael uh, Jordan of golf. I, you know what? I'll take it. I will take it. Uh, well, we talked last week about the NBA Finals and as kind of everyone thought Phoenix won game one, kind of going away with it. I didn't think Giannis was going to play, but he pulled a James Harden last second, showed up. He did make some pretty good plays. He had a LeBron-type uh, rundown and block, but Phoenix basically just kind of ran away with it, and um, hopefully it's more of a series, but I still think that Phoenix is going to win in like five or six. Uh, but I saw an article in CBS Sports talking about the one way that uh, Milwaukee can deal with Chris Paul and basically is like, they need to work harder. Um, they need to hustle more, which seems like at the NBA level, that shouldn't be something like everyone should be trying their hardest. But um, do you have a solution for the bucks on uh, Chris Paul? You know, I don't between Paul and Booker. I think uh, the, the Suns' offense is, they're flexible. Like they've got so many options and ways to run it. I know that uh, they, you know, they tried Lopez garden Paul and it just didn't seem to stick. Um, and this article you sent, the CBS article was saying, well, they need to be a little more maybe scrappy on defense. I don't think right. they use the word scrappy, but the problem is the Suns went 25 for 26 on three throws. So if you get in there and start risking fouling them, uh, you know, you're handing them free points. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, they looked pretty dominant to me. I mean, there was a, you know, they're up 20 to up by 20 points at one point. Um, uh, I mean, I kind of, as my wife's family says, it, it sucks to suck. So, I mean, Chris Paul was contested on pretty much every shot he had. He's just good. So like uh, people just writing content for content's sake. And for the most part, I, I would be kind of sad for the NBA on like people not caring about these smaller mid-market teams playing, but there's so much hate on Phoenix. That, like I really want that we talked about earlier about this week, a uh, Fugazi on people are injured. So Phoenix doesn't deserve to be there. I mean, I think they do deserve to be there and I, I still think they're going to win it all. Um, game two is tonight. So the timing of these episodes we're recording is not ideal to cover the NBA, but uh, we'll talk next week about what happened over the weekend. Yeah. They're favored by four and a half points. I still like them to cover the spread. I think, uh, I think the Suns get it done again tonight at home and then yeah. uh, probably give one up on the road next week and, and we'll see where it goes from there. I don't remember what the, what the actual final was, but you sent something. A, you had a bet with Larry on the Bucks. Who was it? Someone to cover. And I was like, no, they're going to win. It was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. You're like, oh, I like Atlanta, like plus six and a half or something. I was like, no, Atlanta's going to win. And they won yeah. by like 15. Yeah, I took a little money off your partner there. Yeah, they won. They won by. Yeah, but that was a that's a good win for me. That was a I that was a walk away win. That was nice. Hey, staying in the NBA uh, and the Suns. You know, you talk a lot about Chris Paul. You get uh, Devin Booker. I don't think Jay Crowder gets a ton of coverage, but um, you know, people are saying he may be the NBA premier role player. Um, you know much about Jay Crowder? 
I mean, he's just kind of bounced around the league and he's kind of been um, just a good utility player. I don't know if we're going to call him a sixth man. Is is he is he at that status where you call him a sixth man or is he a utility player? Yeah, or, or, or you know, difference? the or yeah, then the or the role player, which I think, you know, depending on who you ask is, you know, specific role or is it a guy coming off the bench? I mean, everybody's got their own definition for these for these terms that they throw around, but for sure. I mean, he came out of Marquette. He went to the Cavs, the Mavericks, the Celtics, back to the Cavs, the jazz, the Grizzly, the heat. And now with the Suns. I mean, he's been around the league, um, you know, famously uh, did his uh, salsa dance in front of LeBron as they uh, knocked them out in the first round. Uh, but I like, but I like this guy. And I think this was kind of what I was trying to get to on Tuesday was I think the Suns are a sneaky good team because they've got a solid base uh, decent bench. I mean, these guys don't get a lot of airtime. They don't get a lot of uh, Jersey sales and they're not putting up a lot of points, but it makes the team hard to deal with. Right. And I guess kind of with Crowder everywhere he's gone has everywhere he's gone has been like a pretty successful team and uh, better to be lucky than good. Kind of like the Mike Trout uh, show, uh, Shohei Otani role, like yeah. they're the best, but uh, who cares? And Jay Crowder keeps winning. I thought it was interesting. Um, the Suns gave him a multi, a three year, $10 million a year deal, which, like in basketball terms, isn't that much because max NBA deals are for this year, the most you can get paid is a little less than 33 million. And that made me go down the rabbit hole of like what other sports are. So, uh, NB- MLB, Mookie Betts has the highest contract in 2020 at 27 million. The NFL doesn't have a max deal but the highest right now is patrick mahomes at 21 million and the nhl way far behind highest player is austin matthews i think of toronto he made 16 million dollars so it's kind of interesting that this 10 million dollar from someone just sitting uh as a civilian be like oh he only makes 10 million but i'd like to make 10 million dollars this year i yeah i wouldn't mind what uh do you think that's mostly driven by talent ability to win games or how much does fan draw slash uh ticket sales that kind of stuff come into play in those in those decisions are they in you know totally linked i mean i bet you it is linked to some extent but i think it would be more of like a five to ten percent of how much you're gonna get paid like i don't know if they're counting on um jay crowder jersey sales being like we we were gonna pay you eight million but like we're gonna sell so many units i think it's more of like if you're winning, they're going to go. Uh, I think it's just there's so much money, TV money in the NBA that they're just NBA is the, the most valuable professional uh, France league right now. And so they're passing it out like candy. It's kind of like when you're up at the poker table or you're up just in general, you're tipping everybody out. So that's what the, the NBA is a, is a drunk guy at the poker table, I think. Well, yeah, we got we got to get some of that sweet, sweet NBA money. I know uh, they were looking for like in-house psychiatrists and I was trying to talk my wife and to go to work for the uh, Washington or uh, uh, the Warriors. Cause they were, they were hiring mm. for in-house psychiatrists trying to get, get in did touch you with submit her CV for, I, you know, I thought about it, but I, uh, I opted against it because that seemed like a, a breach of trust. It probably would be. Well, I had uh, talked about before the NHL Stanley Cup finals had started, the, it was the COVID versus the non-COVID and uh, non-restrictions uh, seemed to prevail. And the Lightning won uh, 1-0 over the Canadians on Wednesday night, giving them their uh, back-to-back Stanley Cup 
titles, Stanley Cup trophy, Stanley Cup cup. Uh, anyway, they're the, they're good on them. Tampa Bay won. Uh, COVID restrictions are bad in Canada. But uh, I, I like that CBS had reported on it saying the Lightning are the first team to go back to back since the Penguins in 2016. I feel like 2016 wasn't far enough back to say the first team to go back to back since. Like that was pretty recent. I feel like it has to be the 80s, maybe the 90s to say that. But I mean, Tampa Bay is good. Um, happy for Florida. Why not? They were, you know, the last two games were were significantly closer. I mean, it went into overtime uh, in game four. But, you know, shoot, I turned on game three, went to the fridge to get a beer, and I came back and Tampa was up two nothing. Um, yeah. I mean, that's 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 not an exaggeration. It was like the first few seconds of the game, they were up two nothing. They just looked absolutely dominant the first three games. Obviously lost in overtime in game four and then, you know, won it last night, won nothing. Yeah, I saw an article about like talking just about Tampa in general and how they handled their salary cap. There was some like uh, controversy over how that happened. But this article was written before, like maybe after game two. And they're like, Tampa Bay will win the Stanley Cup later. Like it was obvious from from the jump that they were going to win it all. So I think that's exciting. Was hockey a big deal for you growing up or like were people playing hockey in St. Louis? Uh, we did a little bit of street hockey. No, but but uh, not. There were a lot of people playing ice hockey. Definitely big uh, hockey town for following the Blues. So mm-hmm. I went to a bunch of Blues games as a kid. Um, I remember growing up. I knew one person that played, and just like there weren't many ice rinks in Dallas. And I remember he would have to go. They'd go at like five or six in the morning. It's kind of like people trying to get uh, swimming would have to start really early. But uh, the, the Stars won it, I think, in 2000. And after that, there's this huge boom of uh, rinks being built. And I'm guessing that hockey is a bigger deal. So probably in Tampa Bay, there's people like jumping on the bandwagon. And maybe there'll be an influx of uh, younger players coming out of Florida, which is kind of a crazy thing to think of. Yeah, we got, we've got some family friends that have a nine-year-old girl that plays hockey. And yeah, they're going to like driving to San Jose at 9 p.m. to get ice time. Like yeah. you just can't get on an ice rink. You know, in, uh, in honor of our missing comrade, Larry Olson, we're going to the Olympic desk. Turns out the Olympics still going ahead, but now they're talking that there's going to be no fans. And uh, this is resulting in some of the bigger name sponsors starting to pull booths and parties so if you're headed to Japan for the Olympics, you may not be getting bottle service at, at an Olympic table. To some extent, like I'm curious, people are going to, as seen by how people reacted in Los Angeles during the pandemic, like people were having massive parties in the in like April 2020 when it was like the most locked down and the city or the county of Los Angeles were like turning off power to these houses. I don't, I mean, people have a different level of respect for uh, authority in Japan, but there's got to be rogue parties. Like, I don't know if they want to take the mentality of like, hey, if you're going to drink, I want like you telling your kids, if you're going to drink, have a drink with us with dinner so you can do it responsibly. Now Japan's being like, hey, go rogue, have these underground parties. Like if there's a will, there's a way. So like, I don't know what this is really going to accomplish. Yeah, I think it's it's a couple things. One, probably keeping the CEO's face off of TV, right? If he's yeah. in the stands, that's going to cause some bad uh, some bad press. And then just not having, yeah, while there might be some people getting together in a backyard, you're not going to have the Panasonic hoop shoot 
set up out on the main Broadway boardwalk out walking into the Olympic Village. Uh, sadly, one of the saddest parts of this is Asik was getting ready to re- reveal a four meter tall statue of table tennis star, the big Kasumi Ishikawa, which I just think is hysterical that they're going to put this in a warehouse, but that they've got a four meter stall, tall That's statue so tall. of a table tennis player. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who knew that table tennis was a big deal? That's wild. I'm kind of curious, and I don't think there's ever there isn't a straight answer because it's convoluted. But like, all roads lead to money. What's what's the cost implications of all of this? Like, it was postponed. They're still keeping the branding. Tokyo 2020. Like, at what point is is the IOC or whoever is paying for this? Like, you're pot committed. You're putting good money after bad. Like, at what point they're like they're losing sponsors. People won't be there looking back they're gonna do a lessons learned phone call and be like should we have done this and i think it's gonna be i don't know had it was it worth it i i I don't know yeah and you know you get the hey we're the official underwear of the olympics or whatever you get the title sponsorship but they had to put a pony up a bunch of money for that and then they had to pony up more because of the delay because they got to keep that on their stationery or whatever so i think there was another 200 million dollars posted by title sponsors just to for the continuance and now they can't have their big corporate parties so yeah i don't know how how much is enough before these guys start not doing this in the future yeah and we're already creeping up on the beijing 2020 winter olympics like are we thinking that this is going to be washed out by then i i don't know but although all roads lead to money so we'll see what happens if you have money, uh, apparently, if you like rubbing elbows with NFL royalty, you should go to Cabo in January or February, because apparently that's where everyone goes. Uh, there's a podcast called The Flying Coach that Peter Schrager has, and he had Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay on at the same time. And they were talking about how they were when the Matthew Stafford trade was in play on him leaving uh, Detroit they everyone was in Cabo and it turns out that uh McVeigh was at the same hotel as as Stafford and uh Shanahan was down the street and McVeigh pulled one over on him was like hey nothing's gonna happen tonight go have dinner with your wife half an hour into dinner he gets a text so the deal's done McVeigh closed and uh I love this story I love that he just like kind of went rogue all these I don't know if they're called backroom deals but it kind of feels like that and uh who knew that Cabo was such a destination for, for uh, NFL players? Maybe it's a new yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, a lot of wheeling and dealing. What I, what I like about this too is that Shanahan spends half this vacation, uh, like Oppo research on yeah, Matt watching Stafford, tape. watching tape on Matt Stafford, who's you know been in the NFL since '09. Like, uh, I mean, I feel like I've seen enough NFL tape on Matt Stafford to make a solid decision. I'm surprised he's uh, digging that deep on a known quantity. You were just on vacation in Hawaii, which I said Cabo's a new Hawaii. Did you do any work while you were there? Hey, I you know I watched a lot of sports, so I'd be ready for this week, baby. Yes. Uh, you had to earn I, that I never quit. I had to earn that. Had to earn that sweet paycheck. I don't want to get kicked off the intern team. So yeah, so they go straight trade, right? Uh, Goff goes mm-hmm. for for Stafford. Yeah, and uh, I mean we'll see how 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 that pans out long term. I mean you're getting a younger quarterback in Goff, but Stafford. Stafford kind of has that uh, better be lucky than good. Like a Mike Trout, he's really good, and he's been on the Lions. Barry Sanders, I mean, I don't know. No one's been able to turn that franchise around. Who knows one day they will. How do you think Garoppolo feels about all this? Like all this, like this is still trickling out, you know, how many ever months later? Like, 
I mean, I think he hasn't been feeling great just in general. He's kind of, he, he had such promise going to the 49ers, but he, I don't know. I guess he made it to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win that. They actually talked about that game on the podcast. It was pretty interesting. I don't, Peter Schrager wasn't really on my radar, and he's uh, pulling some big names for his podcast. So maybe I need to start checking out the flying coach. Are you saying I'm not a big name? Oh, well, you're part of the team. So <laughs> oh, fair, wait, that fair enough. Speaks for yourself. He was on crap. What was that guy's name? He was uh, he was on he was on a podcast, the Pat McAfee Show. Pat McAfee railroaded uh peter the entire like you just talked over him a lot and i was like you're not a good host you just you just like hearing yourself talk not to say that he's not a he doesn't have a popular show but he talked too much well there you go uh there you go uh so college football right around the corner we're about a month away from fall camp starting uh getting a first look at some potential rankings starting at number five you got georgia four clemson ohio state Alabama and Oklahoma scheduled to be number one. How do you feel about the college football? You excited it's back? I mean, I think I always talk about when I see a college football ranking come out, I always just do, if it's on my computer, I do a word search for Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's top 10. Where are they? On this uh, 24-7 sports poll, they come in at number seven. And it's just perennially that way. I was kind of surprised that UNC was so high. Like, they're kind of always been a bad program they're they're coming at 12 and Oregon's breaking the top 20 for the first time in a while they went through their downfall after Chip Kelly left left but it's just I think college football proves that coaching really matters and it's just always the same teams I think Oklahoma is sneaky just been a great program that you don't hear much about because it's not it's like a like we're talking basketball mid-market state and even in Texas University of Texas, even if they're not good, it's going to get more draw than Oklahoma. So they're always just kind of sneaking along there, lying in the weeds. Even though they're number one, I feel like Alabama gets more attention. Do you have any thoughts on, like, do do these matter to you? Do these matter? I, I You know, I just – it satiates a hunger for getting back to college football. Yeah. Um, I, the, my, the ones I picked up on, yeah, I noticed the Ducks were coming at 19. That seemed – I don't know. Surprised to see him at that place. The Gators were low to defending SEC East champs and coming at 27th on this guy's list. And then uh, LSU at 17. I mean, they've got 19 returning starters. I'd have figured they'd have been a little higher on the list, but you know how this stuff shakes out. It ends up that all five are the SEC and uh, we're always wrong. So uh, I don't know, but I, but I like looking at it. I'm excited for college football season specifically for when LSU starts climbing the charts and we get the Ed Argeron filibuster. I think that's who it was, the Ed Argeron filibuster. Uh, one of my favorite season. segments. Yeah, that was one of my favorite segments. I like the uh, I like the callback to that. Yeah, uh, that just popped in my head. He's I, LSU. I, it's just hard for the SEC. I mean, you throw you can just throw any SEC team in the top twenty five, and who knows what's going to happen because you have to make it through the other side, and that's just a difficult move to make. Yeah, and, uh, you know, God willing, we'll make this without the kind of broke up six-game COVID season nonsense. It yeah. feels like it's been two years since we've actually had any real college football on Saturday morning. So, Well, um, also, the SEC football was like, hey, fans, come on in. So it's not going to feel that much different. They just have – they'll have more games, hopefully. Well, from the Olympics banning people to smoking weed, Kevin Durant does this. Smoke weed every day. Oh boy, somehow people getting high is still 
something we talk about probably more in the spotlight because of the Olympics, uh, IOC not allowing marijuana use. But uh, Matt Sullivan went on um, Dan Levitard's podcast. He's talking about Kevin Durant uh, promoting his new book, Can't Knock the Hustle. And uh, he basically says uh, he smokes weed all the time. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't go on vacations. He doesn't do anything to play basketball. So if you're hanging out with KD, he's probably just blazing. So it was kind of fun. I don't know. I mean, weed's not a performance-enhancing drug. So do we care? Is he gonna? Is this gonna put more spotlight on him to even be able to make the U.S. Uh, USA Olympic team? Yeah, oh, and I think he's on the team, but I like he's that's on a the good team, question. But he has to pass a drug test. He has to pass the drug test. And uh, well, here's what I'm curious about: like, how does? Yeah, well, one, how does his performance fail in Japan if he's not able to get his hand on the uh, jazz cabbage? And two, <laughs> what's um. What, how worried are these guys when they go on the road to a state that doesn't, that uh, it's still illegal? Like, I they, think they're they, like rock stars. They're not worried at all. They have a, they have a guy say, give me some weed. Like KD's not going on the streets of Tokyo in a back alley being like, yo, how much, how much? Like someone goes but, out and does it for, he's got an assistant that does it in the pre get in the um, pre what's this called? Pre meeting. Did you Google jazz what would you call it jazz candy jazz cabbage no jazz cabbage jazz no cabbage? i did i, I did not term I did not that Google you that. like where'd you pull that from i've never heard that i, I don't know it's in my uh it's deep in my lexicon somewhere mm. uh no but I, I mean do you think these guys are traveling with it because i mean it's i think it's widely reported that most nba players are smoking weed and actually playing high some of the time so are they just traveling with this and nobody's hassling them or are they i mean they're on private jets so yeah probably yeah. I mean, I think the only time it might make a difference is when you're leaving the country, like you're probably going to like, they'll probably check customs, but they can, I don't know. I don't think it's that hard to smuggle, especially when you're on private jets. It's legal in New York. It's legal. It's legal in a lot of States. And here's my other question. Are they smoking it or are they doing uh, like the gummies? I'm sure if you are what people refer to as a pothead, like you're doing everything. Okay. Like I, I bet you Katie, smokes eats drinks rubs the oil he rubs the <laughs> lotion on his skin so, uh, so i don't know kevin durant with his oversized shoes smokes a lot of weed big big shoes and jazz cabbage <laughs> we've had a fun week with kirk thanks for filling in this week this has been sports best we'll see you next week i'm andrew for kirk thanks for coming back